I usually try and make my next guest feel uncomfortable and just put him on the spot. <laughs> uh, Nick Stoll of Stan Sport, welcome once again to FNR. Thank you so much for having me. I feel incredibly uncomfortable to be here, uh, <laughs> as is your wish. Uh, I am sitting down, but if you want, I can stand. I can move around my apartment. Uh, but it's great to be here on what is a great day for Australian football. We're all rich. Yeah. We're all rich. The money's rolled when's in. The, when's the check coming in? I haven't got it yet. <laughs> I mean, Nick Stoll may finally uh, be able to afford a house, uh, you know, a few years ago, you were uh, profiled in the newspaper for for not being able to do so. So, uh, fingers crossed for you, mate. This some of this money rolls your way. Yeah, so I think it's 130 million. If I see about half of that, I might be able to get this apartment in Sydney. So <laughs> it's good. Looking forward to it. Yes, a private equity sale of the A League, uh, FFA or Football Australia, as they're now called, cashed in uh, to a private equity sort of technology investment firm called Silver Lake. Uh, which sounds like the front for some sort of Bond villain to me, mm. uh, but I'm sure it's all above board. 33% of the APL flogged off, and uh, according to Don Bossy in the Sydney Morning Herald, these funds could well be uh, used to fund the National Second Division and an FFA Cup equivalent uh, for the women. So, you know, uh, this could be huge. It could be huge. Um, you know, I mean, look, we've been calling out for a second division for a long time. We've been calling out for promotion and relegation for a long time. You know, look, in a way, it's a good thing that the league is worth significant money. Um, that's, you know, impressive given the league has really struggled. Let's be honest, it's really struggled in terms of crowds. It's really struggled in terms of uh, TV ratings lately. So for them to value the league at $425 million, you know, that's pretty good. That's pretty interesting. Um, but I guess, you know, Silver Lake, uh, the name is very weird, I agree. They're not giving us this money because, you know, they believe in Australian football and they've always loved it since the days of the NSL or whatever. They're doing it because they think that they can make money out of it. Now, how that is going to work is going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, you know, I don't know, like, how much influence they're going to have over the league uh, and how much will that change the way that the league is structured, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. So, look, the first thing that comes out is, oh, we might get a national second well, is that all 130 million? You know, is that and what does that go to? Does that go to player salaries, to coaches? I, to I should add the important caveat at this point that not all of this money, in fact, very little of it is actually going to Football Australia. So it's really the owners of the league being the clubs mm. that have cashed in and FFA or. I keep getting that wrong. Um, I, I should, do we have a swear jar for, for FFA? Hey, on on Radio still... Dub, we have a swear, a swear jar every time I accidentally say W League. Um, uh, they, they're only getting f- uh, 5% uh, or rumoured to be only getting 5%. So that's $6 million going towards the National Second Division, which uh, I guess is basically a more realistic figure because I was going to say, I mean, how was it ever on the agenda if it was going to cost this much? Mm. Yeah, and look, I guess the other thing is to work out like, okay, so if they're going to pay for the National Second Division, does this National Second Division have promotion relegation initially there's also massive question marks you can put all the money in the world into some of these second division clubs but it's more about the people in charge and their competency mm. you know you could give give gold coast united 50 million dollars clive palmer had the money uh it was the problem was clive palmer was in charge you know the, the problem is a lot of the times i think is the people in charge i think you can make clubs what we always talk about where can you make clubs work can you make another club work in melbourne can you make another club work in sydney can you make a club work in wollongong or canberra or whatever i think to me the question mark so so often is not where is who is going to be in charge and i think you can have a successful club 
pretty much at any population over about 50,000, as we see overseas with teams like Bar and Villarreal and all these teams are very successful, but it's the people in charge who are very competent. I do worry that no matter how much money the national second division gets, the competency of the individual people in charge of each individual club mm. is where it could succeed or fail. And, I mean, I think there's a point to be made here that these clubs have been surviving, albeit playing, paying players semi-professionally, uh, without TV rights for a long, long time, whereas A-League clubs have essentially been bankrolled, at least their payroll has been paid for by the TV rights, and they just have to meet the other running costs associated. Yes, there's a big difference between semi-professional and full-time professional wages. Uh, the, uh, the, the, pro- the clubs that are... are mooting to join this competition want to start with a national semi-professional league obviously the players union the pfa is less uh less keen on that idea and it could cost you know twice or three times more to pay players full time Mm. um but you know they do have other revenue streams that um that that can help you know it's not just all private equity funding it's they, they have a lot of like quite dedicated uh sponsors who uh, are worth big bucks and I think would plow money in at least initially if the carrot is there, if there is an idea of a national competition and future pro-rel. Yeah, look, I think you pay players semi-professional wages, you're going to get semi-professional performances and you're going to get mm. players who maybe, you know, I've seen this in the in the formerly known as the W League, the Liberty A-League women, uh, you know, where players can't travel because they have to work and they've got jobs and stuff. And, you know, the, one of the issues, and people really don't like to talk about it too much, but one of the issues definitely in Australian football is the quality of the football it is not of the quality of European football. We know that for sure. But sometimes, you know, there are some really bad games. Now, that happens all over the world. But my point is, if you continue to play at, a semi, at least pay people at a semi-professional level, how much is the quality really going to be there? And while we understand that there are so many other factors in, you know, a successful league other than quality of football, that's still pretty important, mm. you know, like... I, I would love to support my local team, whatever the closest one is to me in the second division, but if the football is turgid every week, how long are you going to keep going? I don't know. I think, and then eventually you need that team to make the jump into the first division and, and that to be a successful transition because it will be bad if in the first season that we have promotion relegation, the team that goes up gets spanked every week, barely wins a game and comes straight back down. That would really be a bit of an indictment on the national second division. So I don't know, it's exciting for sure. There's just massive question marks about it. So is it beneficial to create a second division at this point in time, so like so soon, if the the first, you know, if the A-League is not at the standard it needs to be or the second division is not going to be at that level it needs to be? I mean, it's interesting. I do wonder what is the point of a national second division you know, that we don't already have with the MPL if we don't have promotion relegation. I understand if we have promotion relegation, there's obviously a clear reason for it. If we don't have it, we've just got this other competition where anyone who's any good will get immediately signed by an A-League club because they'll be on obviously semi-professional wages and they'll all have it in their contracts that if an A-League club wants me, I can jump straight away. So as soon as any player shows any promise, no one will stay with the clubs. We already see it, you know, mainly outside of, you know, the Franco Parises of this world. But, you know, the players jump around the MPL, you know, for an extra couple hundred bucks all the time. So you're not going to have all oh, these legends of the club. Mm. Coaches are the same. They're going to jump at the first opportunity. Whoever shows promise in the second division will jump. So 
I wonder what is the value of a second division without your promotion relegation? And the clubs seem to be really keen to do it. I don't know if they just think that there's going to be an increased windfall for them if they create this second division. But I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but I don't find myself thinking, oh, you know what I need? I need a worse version of the A-League that is, you know, harder to watch. Like, what is the differential of a second division? I think first and foremost, there is a developmental benefit to having NPL All-Stars, essentially. The best NPL players from each state all playing in a national competition and playing against each other every week because the cream of the crop at NPL level is actually very good. It's just that in all these divisions around the country, uh, the standard varies quite wildly. So the top teams, like you look at Queensland as an example of that, there are three really good teams and the rest of the competition is not very good. And you can see that from the score lines. Uh, Victoria is probably a little bit more even, as is New South Wales. The depth is there. Uh, But I think the same is true uh, in Queensland as it is in WA and South Australia, probably somewhere in between. So I I think there is a developmental benefit to having uh, teams uh, that promote their own youth or through you know, all age groups, not just starting at, you know, under 14s or wherever the A-League youth academies start um, that kind of live within their means and don't rely on so many foreign players. Uh, I don't know what the foreign player rules are going to be in this new national second division, but I think ideally you'd probably keep it at two, um, which is the same as in all NPL competitions currently. Um, And yeah, just the the standard week to week because there are so many A-League players that actually fall through the cracks and as soon as they're too old for the youth sides, um, they basically, like a lot of them quit. A lot of them don't play football again. And if there's no serious level to continue um, and there's no aspiration, then that's, you know, that's that's a problem. There's a big uh, gap, a big lost generation after the age of, you know, 21, 23. But I think that probably is going to exist as long as it stays semi-professional. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm if I'm 22, I let's say I was at an A-League club and didn't quite work out for me, and I dropped down to that level, and I'm on I don't know what they're on $800 a week. You know, you know it's good, it's decent money, but then it's you having to train multiple times a week. You've got to give up your weekends. Um, if it's national, there's going to be a lot of traveling, a lot of time away. Look, let's be honest, you can earn much more money getting another type of job, uh, you know, in Australia, especially kind of in Sydney and Melbourne. And then, by the way, if you do want to buy a house, like we were joking about before or something, you can't do it on those kind of wages. So I think if the wages are that low, you're going to have a lot of people just quitting football anyway because of the need to have... There are a lot of clubs already in basically employing players full-time by getting them jobs with the club sponsors. Mm. So institutionally, I would say there are actually quite a lot more full-time footballers in Australia or full-time club employees in Australia. It's just the, you know, training times and so forth. You know, they're only training a couple of times per week on a nightly basis for all the other guys who do have, you know, regular day jobs. So that that, that kind of does exist. There are sort of support networks there. I do want to talk about this idea of a women's FFA Cup, though, um, because, because I don't see it to be honest, because so many of the existing A-League women's players already play in the NPL. Yeah. So how are you going to have a competition? In which they're facing themselves? If, yeah, exactly. And are you going to be able to still play for both sides if there's a if there's a clash? Yeah, and until, you know, players in the A-League women's are 
able to use that as a full-time thing and not have to have these extra jobs on the side. I don't think it's plausible. It's not... It would be... It's nice to dream of it, but unless they can become, like, fully professional in that sense, there's no there's no point to it at all. I mean, extend the season. Make a full home and away season. That surely should be the first priority before you're talking about an, a cup competition when, you know, there are eight, nine starters from, say, South Melbourne or Bulleen that are going off to, to play in the A-League women and they're using that as a, a season-round way to get, you know, the amount of games in their leagues that they actually need. I think another also another problem that could come up is that there is a real – there's a bigger gap between the good sides and the bad sides in the if they were to do an FFA Cup. Like, it just wouldn't be entertaining enough and it would just be these absolute drubbings that it just wouldn't be worth a watch. I mean – is it a way to potentially build a bit of depth in the women's leagues here or does it just not exist? Because we've already had the depth tested by so many of the Matildas players going overseas and, and leaving the A-League women behind. So we've already had a huge elevation of MPL players into the professional ranks. I mean, how do you, how do you build that depth? I don't think that, that solves itself overnight. I'm not sure at this point. Uh, I've, you've got to give me some time to think about that. Nick, what are your, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, um, look, to me, both these ideas scream populist ideas that don't really have a lot of thought to them. So, you know, with the women's FA Cup, yeah, it's exactly like you say, like, how is this going to like actually work? It's all good. Hey, we want a women's FA Cup. Hey, we want this. Hey, we want, yeah, okay. We want everything. We want football all the time. We want, you know, a longer season and everything, but how are you actually going to make this work, you know, with the money available? I don't know. I'm increasingly worried that we're, there's no clear long-term strategy. We had the 11 principles, which, you know, they were, you know, they're okay. There was a lot of populism, I think, in that. And, oh, we should have this and we should have this and we should have this. But a clear pathway on how we're getting to each of these, you know, that strategy to me, I don't know, I'm a bit worried that they've just, oh, we got some money. Let's create these two competitions. That to me seems a bit out of like, did you maybe think about it for more than, I don't know. I mean, obviously they would have known this is on the cards. But even the article that Don Bossy wrote, you know, which is a good article, but there was it was light on detail about how is this actually going to work? Who is going to be, you know, in, in these competitions? When are these competitions going to be played? For example, we talk about, you know, both these competitions, what time of year are they going to be played? National Second Division, MPL at the moment is obviously in our winter, which runs... Na- National compo- Second Division has to be uh, summer aligned is what I'm hearing line. from the MPL clubs. Okay. So then, that, that's so a non-negotiable for them for um, future pro rail and and so forth. So then, are we keeping the winter MPL season and doing a summer national second division? I don't know if those clubs are going to participate in both, but yes. Okay. All right. And then with women's FA Cup, when is that happening? Because we've seen the men's FA Cup go at the moment concurrent with the A League season. Is that going to be the case? How does that work for the MPL teams who are playing in winter? I don't know. I mean, it's just there's a lot of massive questions. That, and it just feels like we have created Australian football. Every time we try and solve one problem, we end up creating three more problems. And that just feels like kind of what we're doing. Maybe if we we'll go, oh, we, we have development issues, we'll create a national second division, give people more opportunities. Oh, you know, we, we have a men's FA Cup. We need to have a women's FA Cup. And then we just create actually more issues and and stretch clubs further and stretch players further. I I don't know. I just think good ideas. I like the sound of these ideas. I would like these competitions to exist. The practicalities, the realities of them, can they be achieved with the people in charge?
it just sounds to me like we're trying to take some really big steps as before taking those little steps. And that's the, that's, I feel like that's been the constant problem with the A-League. And mm. it's great having these grand ideas, but if those grand ideas lead to you tripping just before you're about to take those move on, what's the actual point of it in the long run? But is the standalone NSD a half step in itself, a half measure? Because the, the only reason the clubs are but, so super keen on it is because there's the promise of future promotion and relegation. This is like the future carrot down the line. If that if that never existed or as there was no connection to the pyramid below that was planned for a few years' time, I don't think anyone would be keen to invest, you know, significant sums of money and, you know, risks their clubs basically... Uh, existence on it. But as Nick said before, some of these clubs are poorly run. So what's the, what's great getting them into the National Second Division? If they, these clubs are poorly run, by the time they get there, there's, they, they'll capitulate before, you know, it's had time to develop over five or so years. It's a waste of I mean, time and money if it's not going to be m- successful. Maybe the conversation changes now because of this equity money that's coming in and because there is sort of FFA contribution. Because my argument when this was all being talked about and the white paper came out was that it doesn't matter if this is a good idea or not. The club owners at NPL level of mostly ex-NSL clubs want to do this and they're going to put their money where their mouth is to get it off the ground. So we may as well let them because there's no harm, uh, you know, to the, I guess. But just because people, clubs have money doesn't mean they're going to make good decisions with that money. No. There are lots of clubs in the world who have lots and lots of money. And that there's just plenty of A-League clubs board. wasting money as well. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, the idea of the poorly run um, MPL side or the NSL side comes from a bit of a stereotype as well, Nick. No, but I, I, sorry, Nick, go, go. Well, I'll just say quickly, look, one of the first things I'd do with this equity money is buy out Tony Sage and get rid of a terrible owner in Perth Glory and a poorly run club. That's the first thing I would sort out, right? So, Perth before like, MacArthur? Well, look, there'd be a few clubs I'd be buying out. Actually, Newcastle, no owners. Right? So. Yeah, like, yeah, there's plenty of A-League clubs that run terribly, right? They just run terribly with more money coming in, basically. Mm. Um, so I guess, yeah, and you're right, just, look, there's no... There's no inherent harm in trying these things except for the fact that can we at least try it in the best way possible rather than just let's let these guys who have shown not much competency in their history, can we, you know, let them run this national second division? Because if it falls over, then we are back five, ten years on promotion and relegation. I think promotion and relegation is a crucial clog in Australian football, and I think you absolutely have to get it right. I'm just worried that the people who would try and implement it, you know, in the same way a technical director is a really important part of a football thing. But if that technical director is no good, then you just say, oh, we've got a technical director, it's all fine. It's like, no, no, that guy's going to cause you more problems. Or a woman if it's a female technical director. Um, Both could be as incompetent as each other. That's that's the first thing to know. Um, But I guess my point is like, Look, I'm excited and I would love a if they said tomorrow, look, we're doing the Nashville Second Division. All right, cool, cool. But I just have massive questions about exactly how is this going to work and how is when is promotion relegation going to happen? Uh, I think it has to start with a timeline on ProRail. I think so you, honest, honestly you have so, to say five years, ten years, whatever it is, uh, we're going to have promotion relegation this date and you can't just keep kicking the can down the road because that's what we've been doing with the National Second Division for years mm-hmm. and years and years. Yeah, look, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind it happening year one. I wouldn't mind saying, all right, let's go, let's go year one. Yeah, you like, go nuclear with it, you reckon? Well, nuclear is like, again, this is the thing where I think 
what is the objective of the leagues and of the Football Australia? What is their kind of overall objective? What are they trying to do here? If the leagues are just trying to make more money, is this a way that they can make more money? Is this a way? And in my opinion, promotion relegation would generate more interest in Australian football and the competition. Mm. I think there is a financial reason to do it. Now the clubs might say, yeah, but hold on. One of us is going to get relegated. And, you know, there's this whole argument over, well, you know, would the Mariners survive for, you know, sorry to use Mariners fans who are listening, uh, insert your A-League team here. Would that A-League team survive if they were relegated? Well, of course they would. They could survive. It's just they would have to severely downgrade what their operation is. And and that happens all over the world. When teams drop down divisions, they downgrade. They have release clauses on their players. They don't have to pay such exorbitant wages. Sometimes they even have to move stadiums. Uh, you know, that might be an issue if you don't own your own stadium. Uh, but that's okay. That's all manageable. And then it's also once you step up, then you grow it again. So I don't know. I think the national second division, look, it's exciting. I just would also like to kind of temper that with the fact of, and I totally agree with you, put a date, say promotion relegation. I think the sooner you do that, the better, because the more interest there is in the national second division. I'll be honest, I don't really have any interest in who's finishing top three in the national second division if they're going nowhere. To me, it's like, well, you know, there's so many factors in that. Start putting promotion relegation, and I think there are definitely ways to do it. I've always been a fan of, you have the first team go straight up or, you know, automatic promotion. And you have the second team play the second worst team in the A-League in a playoff spot in the way that Germany does it. The Bundesliga, uh, the team that comes second last in the Bundesliga yep. plays the second team that came in the second division in Germany. I like that. I think that would be a really fun, you know, two-legged playoff. Uh, I think it'd be super exciting. There's many ways to do it. Um, but, yeah, I just, I don't think this is, oh, great. They're gonna do. They're gonna do a second division. Problem solved. Maybe I'm just a little bit risk averse, and that's why I, I when when people when I take a step, I have to make sure everything is 100 percent certain. Because that's what I just my biggest <laughs> fear is that if it, like we do this and it doesn't work, are we now kicking the can down ten years down the line where we're gonna have to restart the whole process and we're just gonna have to wait way longer for it to even be more mm. successful? Whereas if we can do it right one time, like isn't that just a better idea in the long term? I would err towards trusting the people actually running the most, you know, well-supported and successful MPL clubs to do what they want and what they think will work immediately to get this thing off the ground and happening and then we can improve it as we go. That would be, I would err on that side rather than pushing them into starting a fully professional competition with instant pro rail or what have you and then having the whole thing fall flat on its face. Because that, that seems to be what, you know the AAFC and those um, those um, and they're not owners really. They're these are these are that's the other thing. These are not privately owned entities. They are community assets. They they have you know chair people. They don't have owners. So uh, that that's a that's a whole different conversation, I suppose, as to whether you know there's like a, a corporate shift and change to you know the a franchise model with actual ownership. Because at the moment that's not how it works. They have you know AGMs and so forth, like the leadership. Well, I think, look, I think what's also interesting is what is the A-League clubs going to do with their share of the money, their much more significant share? Yeah, we're, we're, we're over here debating that little $6 million while mm. the A-League owners make off with 122 or $132 million. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, Is that me, all going to keep up? Because 
<laughs> <My native. laughs> a bit of a waste of money if it's all going on Keep Up. Uh, I don't know if it's going on Keep Up. If it is, I look forward to my future employment at Keep Up. If they have that much money, <laughs> I will 100% be joining them. Um, if they will have me. Uh, but what I'll say is, look, you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. Everyone knows that. But what if it's a really beautiful basket? What if it's the greatest basket you've ever seen? Nick, what I want if... the basket to be pretty on the outside, but then when I look at it, there's a hole in the middle of it. The basket's got to be no, very complete. The basket's going to be good. Here's my proposal. Well, we get $130 million? All right, put $30 million aside for whatever you want. Keep up stadiums, whatever you need. $100 million to Messi to play for Sydney FC <laughs> two seasons. It's five minutes from my house. Of course he house. would say Sydney FC, though. Of course yeah, he yeah, would. Yeah, because it's close to my house. Look, I, wherever Messi plays, I will move to that house. I will move to that <laughs> You city. might get a cheaper – you might be able to afford a cheaper house. Look, yeah, maybe. Look, Messi, if you go to Adelaide, you go to the Barossa Valley, you, know, you have your nice Penfolds <laughs> wines, no worries. I'm there. I've never been to Adelaide in my life. I will move there <laughs> instantly to cover him every second. Uh, look. I don't know. What do you guys think? How would you spend the money? The yeah, mega marquee fund. Uh, thank you, Robbie Slater. Sorry, Nick Stoll. Um, how how do we spend Specifically, the money? by the way, mega marquee. I'm on one marquee. I don't want to spend it on anyone. I don't want to say <laughs> everyone gets it. No, one. Go all in on one player. That one player is messy. If he <laughs> says no, that's fine. That, that's a whole different strategy. Mate, I, I, like, I like spending money on youth academies and having something mm. for the future because I think if we have these youth academies be better, we produce better quality players the league gets better and we have better exports if they go internationally the actual Australian football as a whole gets better. So I would like to spend money there I in the like, imaginary world. This is not what it's going to be spent on because this is mostly going to the APL, but I would like to see coaching education uh, heavily subsidised because one of the main uh, drivers of cost at youth level is coaching badges and how much they cost and the clubs having to fund the coaching badges. And finding a way to make that all cheaper, I think, would really... I mean, we've already got a well-participated-in-sport, um, but it would really send the game to the next level if we could not have parents shelling out five, six, seven, upwards hundreds of dollars every season for their kids to play. And the other thing to do with that is increase in participation, you know, facilities. I'd also just mm. take a little bit of money to help out some of these referees. Get a little some better referees would be really, really <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, referee well. education would, would be nice. Very, very nice. But uh, there's also like just a, a junior facilities crisis, like kids being turned away from clubs and so forth. So yeah. it would be nice to see some money going towards. And I know we, we want to very get, good people, aren't we, Josh? Well, you know, for the kids. You know, we're just giving it back, giving it back to the community. But. Uh, I would like to see, and obviously we want government to chip in on these projects as well, and that's been one of the main things. But there's just a, down here in Victoria especially, there's just a space squeeze and there's just not enough fields and not enough access to those fields. I just think the APL won't look at that as their problem. No. I mean, unless they have an incredible, you know, vision for the game and they see that, you know, everything affects everything and, we, you know, you have to take a holistic approach. That'd be great. I don't think they will see that. I don't think they'll see the kind of linear, the line between, you know, improving coach and referee education and, you know, a successful A-League, even though it is there. I would imagine what they would have to look at. Probably the thing that I think would be the clearest thing to look at is stadiums. Basically, I think you you need better stadiums. Well, look, firstly, in Brisbane, Brisbane Raw absolutely need a better stadium. Wanderers obviously are okay for a while. Uh, Sydney FC are just getting a new stadium now. So, you know, it's getting too big for them, but okay. 
I mean, if they sign Messi, it's not. Um, but <laughs> no, it is, look, it is probably going to be too big to, for them, let's be honest, unless they really massively increase, unless they either go for a Del Piero-level marquee or they dramatically increase their level of community engagement, which I don't see it happening. You know, there's, I don't know about you guys, but I constantly hear about the, like, we kind of act like people don't know the A-League exists. You know, we talk about, oh, you know, the game's the game's on free-to-air and that's good. If it's a good game, people will, you know, maybe it's their first time watching the A-League. I think probably most people have at least watched the A-League once or twice. I don't think it's a completely... I don't meet, meet too many people who've gone, I've never seen a second of it. I think one of the problems is they've seen it. They've maybe even gone to a game and they've gone, not for me. And that's kind of our big challenge, I think, at the moment. So you have to improve the match day going experience. Stadium is super important for that. Um, I think active support is super important for that. Now, how much is that financial and how much is that just cultural? And that's a difficult change. You can't just spend your way through that. Uh, I mean, I think uh, a series of bribes to the leaders of several state police forces could could do the trick, you know? I mean, I, I, I it's interesting. I don't even know how you know, that works in terms of like privatized security and all that. But yeah, it is, look, I'm all for bribing the police. Why not? Um, <laughs> I'm not a part of bribing the police. That's on these two, not yeah. me. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I don't know. I, I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how this gets spent. Um, Marquis a part of it. It only gets you so far, I think. We saw it with the Del Piero factor. A lot of fans turned up for Del Piero and then didn't really stay. Um, you know, it's going to happen with Perth. A lot of fans have turned up initially for Daniel Sturridge. Mm. Don't, I don't know if he's going to play. Um, you know, it'd be exciting if he ever gets on the field. I, I don't know. It's just the A-League, if it is going to be successful long-term, it's going to be a lot of small improvements over a long period of time. And I I just kind of would warn people not to expect any solutions, you know, any quick improvements anytime soon. Well, Loch Ness has helpfully pointed out on the uh, Twitch comments that the clubs are already paying the cops to be there. So what more can they do? Uh, that is true. De- defund the police. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. Nick Stoll, we know you've got to go. Uh, this has been a far-reaching uh, and fascinating discussion. Uh, thank you to uh, uh, McFranchise apologist uh, Nick Stoll, uh, who – no, sorry, uh, Stan Sports Nick Stoll, who you can uh, catch his uh, well-produced content on Stan Sports. Uh, Champions League draw went haywire, but we'll have to discuss that one with you another day, Nick. Uh, yeah, look, I'll I'll just say very quickly, it was very funny because Real Madrid initially got Benfica and then they got PSG. So I just say that is the best draw that can ever happen. I think you should always just, whenever Real Madrid get an easy draw, let's do it again and see if we can get them another tough draw. So yeah, well done UEFA for knocking off F1 as the most controversial uh, inept sport. I, I love that the whole Lewis thing has seemed... <laughs> I love that the, the uh, whole process just seemed to be an elaborate prank on Florentino Perez but uh, it's just as well he's uh, the kind of guy who'll just take that on the chin and move on so yeah sure. totally I mean maybe a bit of revenge for the European Super League um, creation uh, but who knows Florentino is probably involved somehow